When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The conceptions of history have been almost as numerous as the men who have written history. To Augustine Burrell, history is a pageant. It is for the purpose of satisfying our curiosity. Under the touch of a literary artist, the past is to become living again. Like another Prospero, the historian waves his wand, and the deserted streets of Palmyra sound to the tread of artisan and officer, warrior, gives battle to warrior, ruined towers rise by magic, and the whole busy life of generations that have long ago gone down to dust come to life again in the pages of a book. The artistic prose narration of past events, this is the ideal of those who view history as literature. Those words were not my words. That was composed and presented by a gentleman named Frederick Jackson Turner back in 1891 in his first professional paper, The Significance of History. Frederick Jackson Turner was a very influential historian who lived from 1861 to 1932. His work, especially the frontier thesis, that he developed and presented in his 1893 essay titled The Significance of the Frontier in American History played a major role for decades in American history, particularly in the works dealing with the American West. In addition to his influence on the way we look at the history of America, he and his work, especially the frontier thesis, have been a subject for criticism and debate for several decades. Despite some of the negative criticism, Turner is still worthy of our attention. Just because some of what he thought is no longer given as much support doesn't mean that everything he wrote or thought doesn't still deserve our attention and even maintain some relevance. That's the nature of history. On a side note, a similar historian that has frequently been run through the historical ringer is Texas historian Walter Prescott Webb, and he likewise is still worthy of investigation. But for now, let's stick with Turner. In that same essay from 1891, The Significance of History, Turner wrote to a whole school of writers among whom we find some of the great historians of our time, history is the study of politics. That is, in the highest signification given the word of Aristotle as meaning all the concerns the activity of the state itself. History is past politics and politics present history, says the great author of the Norman Conquest. Marenbrecher of Leipzig speaks in no less certain tones. 
the bloom of historical studies is the history of politics, and Lorenz of Jenna asserts, the proper field of historical investigation, in the closer sense of the word, is politics. Says Seeley, the modern historian works at the same task as Aristotle in his politics. To study history is to study not merely a narrative, but at the same time certain theoretical studies. To study history is to study problems. And thus, a great circle of profound investigators with true scientific method have expounded the evolution of political institutions, studying their growth as the biologists might study seed, bud, blossom, and fruit. Now, that is some pretty interesting statements by Turner. But that's just the beginning. Later on, he goes even deeper into the many different ways historical study has been broken down and away from politics only. And we're going to get back to that. But we're going to turn away from Turner and his essay and get back to it in the next episode. But I wanted to bring him up because I wanted to highlight the fact that even back in 1891, when modern historical study and the his modern historical profession was still being shaped into what it became today, recognition was already given to the fact that there is not just one method of focus or attention. He breaks it down even further. And like I said, we're going to get back to that in the near future. But I wanted to use that as a preface to breaking down and looking at some of the ways history has been used for good and sometimes for bad. There are many, many good reasons for studying history. And it's also important to know about history and how it's created and studied because it's also used for manipulation at times. And we owe it to ourselves to develop an understanding as to the way people can use it to try to manipulate us by using history. But more on that later. One of the reasons people say studying history is important is because history helps us understand people and societies. And that's very true, and it's a very good reason for studying history. As John Fee wrote in an essay, history reminds us of the inherent weakness in the human condition and the very real possibility that our fellow human beings are capable of horrendous things. This should humble us, for there but for the grace of God go I. And that was in an essay he did, Why Study History, Reflecting on the Importance of the Past. Texas history can help us understand the people and societies that have been and are in Texas, and it can help us recall the good things and the bad things. And you got to take it all together. Another use for history, and reason why it's important, is history helps us understand change and how the society we live in came to be. Here's a quote from historian John A. Garrity on that area. 
He wrote, while history is certainly worth studying for its own sake, as a record of men's struggles and achievements divorced from present affairs, it can also serve as a tool for those who wish to understand how things have come to be as they are. Texas history, likewise, can assist us in understanding the changes that we are facing today and how Texas society came to be what it is today. History also helps us understand how our present time is different from or similar to other periods. Texas history can also shed light on the differences and similarities between today and the way it was in the 1940s, the 1960s, the 1860s, and so on. History can also help us see the world around us in a new way. As Erica Sumek so nicely summarized it, quote, Everything has a history. Trees have a history. Music has a history. Bridges have a history. Political fights have a history. Mathematical equations have a history. In fact, everything has a history. Learning about those histories can help us gain a deeper understanding of the world around us and the historical forces that connect us and continue to influence how we interact with each other and the environment. One of the reasons that I enjoy learning specifically Texas history and sharing what I learn is in the process, I often learn about something that helps me to see Texas and its past in a new way. Sometimes that is by looking from a perspective different from my own. Life in different areas of Texas, or as A.C. Green said in a really nice book he wrote, The Five States of Texas, the different regions, are different. It's different growing up in one section than it is growing up in another. My experience growing up in North Texas, in a rural area, and the history of the region are going to be different in some ways from someone who grew up in an urban area or grew up on the Gulf Coast or way out in El Paso. There are differences. And it's interesting to see how within this one thing, which is Texas, the vast variety that exists there, but yet we still have common bonds and connections. Some see history as being useful to contribute to our moral understanding and argue that's why it's important that we study it. Paul N. Stearns wrote, quote, History also provides a terrain for moral contemplation. Studying the stories of individuals and situations in the past allows a student of history to test his or her own moral sense to hone it against some of the real complexities individuals have faced in difficult settings. People who have weathered adversity, not just in some work of fiction, but in real historical circumstances, can provide inspiration, end quote. How can this work for Texas history? Try to imagine what it must have been like for the German or Czech immigrants when they set out to establish new lives for themselves while still preserving cherished parts of their own culture when they first came to Texas. You can do this with the explorers that first came and with the Karankawas and the Kowitekons that first encountered them. Try to put yourselves into their shoes. What would your reaction have been in some of the situations that have occurred in the past? What must it have been like to grow up on the plains 
and witnessed the destruction of the buffalo that your existence focused on and watch as your people were forced to settle on a reservation. This way of investigation can go on and on, and it does have value. Another use for history and reason to study history, this is a big part of Texas history and its role in what I call the Texas thing. History does assist and help shape identity. History is a big part of the foundation upon which Texan identity is built. This is also a reason for some of the controversies that have been brewing in Texas history over the years. Different approaches and at times negative criticisms of Texas history can be seen as threatening to Texas history and Texan identity. But this does not have to be the case. To quote again from Paul N. Stearns, he also comments on this use of history to create identity quite well. Quote, Merely defining the group in the present pales against the possibility of forming an identity based on a rich past. And of course, nations use identity history as well and sometimes abuse it. Histories that tell the national story emphasizing distinctive features of the national experience are meant to drive home an understanding of national values and a commitment to national loyalty. History helps form identity at many different levels, but especially, as I pointed out, for the identity of people in a particular nation. As the very influential German historian Leopold von Ranke wrote back in the 1800s, it is the ambition of all nations which enjoy a literary culture to possess a harmonious and vivid narrative of their own past history. And it is of inestimable value to any people to obtain such a narrative which shall comprehend all epics, be true to fact, and while resting on thorough research, yet be attractive to the reader. For only by this aid can the nation attain to a perfect self-consciousness and feeling the pulsation of its life throughout the story become fully acquainted with its own origin and growth and character. And that comes from a preface that he wrote to his History of England that came out in the late 1850s. And we'll be learning more about him in a while because he really was one of the primary individuals that helped establish the foundation for modern historical discipline as a social science with a method that's based on certain rules. But we'll get into that, as I said, later. You will also hear, and this is tied into the idea of the nation and the identity of citizens of a nation. You also hear that studying history is essential for good citizenship. What does that mean? To go back to Stearns again, he provides another good answer. Quote, history provides data about the emergence of national institutions, problems, and values. It's the only significant storehouse of such data available. It offers evidence also about how nations have interacted with other societies, providing international and comparative perspectives essential for responsible citizenship. There's a lot of similarities in these different uses and reasons for studying history. 
Further, studying history helps us understand how recent, current, and prospective changes that affect the lives of citizens are emerging or may emerge and what causes are involved. More important, studying history encourages habits of mind that are vital for responsible public behavior, whether as a national or community leader, an informed voter, a petitioner, or a simple observer, end quote from Stearns. This use of history is exemplified by things like the 1836 Commission Report, which we might get into later. This is history being used for a purpose with an agenda and a desired outcome to set down a fairly positive story or narrative about Texas history and what it means to be a Texan. David McCullough, who I have great respect for his work during his life, he also adds a statement about this reason for history's importance. And he said, you can't be a full participant in our democracy if you don't know our history. And another time in a book called Brave Companions that he wrote, he said, how can we know who we are? And where we are going if we don't know anything about where we have come from and what we have been through, the courage shown, the cost paid to be where we are. I think there's a lot of great relevance in those statements like that. Along the same lines, history is important to democracy. So says John Jeffries Martin, who's a professor at Duke University. And I hardly agree with some thoughts and a statement that he wrote for the Washington Post back in May of 2019 that I came across. And he wrote, quote, over the past 500 years, historical thinking has advanced, expanded and reinvigorated democracy. Why? In part because it identifies the institutions that protect democratic systems but it also emboldens people to stand up for their values. One of the core lessons of history is that each of us, no matter what our social status or our race or our gender, make history. Each of us has a role, both individually and collectively, to play in preserving liberty and democracy. To survive and thrive, democracy needs a citizenry with an understanding of how economic, social, and cultural forces have shaped our political institutions over time. Democracy also requires a citizenry, confident that its own actions can make a difference. And without democracy, we will have little chance of victory in the battles from nuclear proliferation and terrorism to immigration crises and climate change that will define the 21st century, end quote. These are some of the many reasons to study history and to take it seriously. But one that I like to keep bringing up and going back to, perhaps just as importantly, it can also be fun to dive into stories of the past. And as we enjoy the historical trip to the Wild West, or ancient Greece, we can sometimes see the importance of history in our own lives 
even when we're just looking into it for the enjoyment factor, that Frederick Jackson Turner was talking about at the very beginning of this episode. Here's a final quote from Stern's great essay, Why Study History. History well told is beautiful. Biography and military history appeal in part because of the tales they contain. History as art and entertainment serves a real purpose on aesthetic grounds, but also on the level of human understanding. Stories well done are stories that reveal how people and societies have actually functioned and they prompt thoughts about the human experience in other times and places. And bringing up this idea of the value of the story and the difficulties faced by a human experience uh, other people have experienced in other times and places, that was a driving factor for, as I understand it, David McCullough and his writing. And if you get a chance, I encourage you to go. You can watch him on YouTube do some videos, some speeches of him giving presentations, and you can gain some learning from from him firsthand like that. And with that said, I want to bring up something he said in his uh, NEH 2003 Jefferson Lecturer interview profile. He, He said, to me, history ought to be a source of pleasure. It isn't just part of our civic responsibility. To me, it's an enlargement of the experience of being alive, just the way literature or art or music is. With that in mind, and with an understanding of the importance of learning history, in 2019, McCullough also said, history should never be boring. It should never be made boring by boring teachers or by boring writers. It's about human beings, adversity, high accomplishment, evil, degeneration of values, all of that. And it offers lessons for each of us in modesty, honesty, and reaching out to help those who need help. That was also from a Boston Magazine interview that came out in 2019. Uh, that was conducted by Thomas Stackpole. And to reiterate what McCullough said, it's about human beings. It's about adversity. It's about learning about these things. And yes, focusing on the great accomplishments that have been done in the past. But on the other flip side, in the shadow of the greatness, in the of the shadow of the light, there is also evil the degeneration of values. As McCullough said, all of that. And if we pay attention in what we can learn, we might learn a little bit about modesty, honesty, and reaching out to help those who need help. If I ever need motivation, all I have to do is go and listen to an interview or pick up a book by McCullough, and I can find something inspiring and that gives me hope to carry on and not only just doing the podcast, but just for my own sake, learning about history and trying to do better and learn more, always learn more about everything, not just history. I'm a firm believer in always learning. 
to quote William T. Volman in an interview I heard from him back in October 2023. He said, it's always better to know more about everything. And that's also a reason why, if that's so important, it's also important to develop the tools to judge and interrogate the sources that you're getting your information from, which is a part of the historical method. To go back one more time to David McCullough, I want to add one more quote by him. He said, we can never know enough about our predecessors and what they did, what they suffered and their failures. Our history and our understanding of history is still important. But we live in a time in which it is under attack. John Halbrooks wrote something on his uh, personal canon substack back in August 2023 that I saved. And I want to share it. He wrote, Humanities programs are being cut mercilessly across the country because they are not viewed as practical, even though humanities majors are better than anyone at assimilating, analyzing, and communicating complex ideas across a wide spectrum of subjects. Students of the humanities are uniquely equipped to cope with the instability and uncertainty of our changing world. They are trained to use close analysis to consider major issues. They are adept at assimilating complicated information. They can write without the help of large language models. They are empathetic in a world that is desperately short of empathy. They nourish values that they hold not just reflexively out of de deference to tradition, but because of deep reading and thinking. They develop what Oscar Wilde calls the critical faculty, end quote. The importance of history, of preserving our story and our many different stories, cannot be overemphasized. The thought of losing our understanding of the past is very real and very, to me, disheartening and scary. Not long before I recorded this episode, I saw historian Michael Beschloss shared the results of a poll by The Economist, and it reveals that one in five young Americans think the Holocaust is a myth, and about the same percentage believe that the damages and dangers and pain inflicted by the Holocaust are over-exaggerated. This news, to me, is not only, it's not only just alarming, it's tragic. It's a failure of education. It's not only just a failure of education and educators, it's a failure of us as a people with an understanding of a past that is real. For this to 
be the way it is. And when it says young people, this is, I believe, if I don't have it right in front of me. I should have pulled it up before I recorded this. I believe what they call in the poll young people is from about the age of 18, 19 to age 29. So one in five people walking around in the United States of America today don't believe in the history of the Holocaust. They believe that the Holocaust is a myth. You can't see me right now. I'm just shaking my head. I don't even know what to say to that. As you just hear from me just now, and as we've seen in several episodes leading up to this one, people are very serious about the stories we tell about ourselves. I mean, if people get upset about fictional stories and when they do something in the fictional universe, like Star Wars with the new movies that they put out, people got so worked up. If people invest that much in something that's not even in reality, how worked up should we get about the fact that our stories, especially for us, the Texas story, isn't being manipulated and misused. People find many uses in the study of history, yes. And sometimes people use history in a bad way. They cherry-pick their facts and they try to present a certain thing or use of history to present and promote their specific agenda. And I see and you see politicians of both sides of the aisle of every stripe and persuasion, politicians using history to make themselves look good and present themselves in a better light. And one of the reasons you need to understand history, very important reasons, is so that you're not misled when they do this with our past. So we're almost done with this episode. You are listening to Texas History Lessons, a slow walk through Texas history made in Texas by a Texan for everyone, everywhere. And to reiterate, as we've seen in a few episodes, people are serious about the stories we tell ourselves, especially the Texas story. And to reiterate, people find many uses in the study of history. There are many reasons to study history. And at times we do disagree. And that's okay. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. I don't have a problem with somebody disagreeing with the way I present something. As long as they bring facts and we can want to compare sources and where we got our ideas about something, that's fine. We all make honest mistakes. It's when somebody uses history and it's not an honest mistake and it's an actual attempt to persuade you to believe something by manipulating facts and not telling the full story that's a problem you disagreeing with me about what i say about a cowboy or the cowboy culture in texas that's fine that a lot of that can come down to interpretation or understanding about what happened i've had people tell me uh, i get a lot of comments on youtube texas history lessons is on a lot of the episodes are available on youtube and i get lots of comments sometimes from pretty mean ones um, and those can't be taken seriously because they're just acting out of hate and promoting some kind of twisted view and uh, enough on that 
but there are, have been people that have said, hey, um, if you had checked the primary source on this, you might have got a better understanding or better story out of it. You might have been able to share a little bit more because you got something a little bit wrong by using just a secondary source like an encyclopedia article or a textbook because everything's not perfect. The problem is, is when people try to manipulate us in the wrong way. But that's for another day. Let's start to close out here with a, it's kind of a lengthy quote. And I'm quote heavy in this episode, and that's for good reason. It's because I find things that people have written, and a lot of times it's like, oh, gee, that's exactly what I was thinking. But look how perfectly they use the language to convey this thought you've been struggling with to try to get out, if that makes any sense. So I'm going to close out here or get close to being done with a quote by historian Edward L. Ayers. And it comes from his book that just came out in 2023, American Visions. And he wrote, quote, My own time studying American history has led me to revisit the visions of the nation's defining era. I am an optimistic person who has written and taught about the worst wrongs in American history. Slavery, war, violence, injustice. For 40 years, I have done so believing that by addressing those evils, we can perceive and counter their insidious legacies. Grappling with past injustices seemed a way to secure our progress. And he continues with this next statement. But it is sometimes hard to sustain that optimism when ugly scenes from the new United States reappear. Nativists and racists march. Apocalyptic prophecies and conspiracies proliferate, and religious faith is wielded as a political weapon. Those who would rule the United States with such purposes claim the sanction of history. They dress in the garb of the frontier and battlefront. They wave flags and guns in defiance of democratic change. They declare ownership of an America seized through the violence of white settlers. Self-proclaimed patriots deny the wrongs of the past and refuse reconciliation or recompense for its victims. They seek control over history, expunging evidence of injustice in the name of national pride. But he continues, and I'm not saying you, I expect you to agree with everything he's saying here, but think about what he's saying. He continued, but we can choose to remember a fuller American history, one that is more truly patriotic, one that evokes the nation's highest ideals of equality and mutual respect in the face of the nation's failings. Bold men and women in the new United States spoke without permission and often in defiance of those who held power. They evoked humane understanding in speeches, novels, paintings, and songs. They deflated pretension and hypocrisy. They wrote with care of the beauty and fragility of the natural world. Their visions remain powerful and necessary generations later. End quote. 
Now, again, these are the words and opinions of Ayers, but there's a lot in that that rings true for me. I think his statement is especially significant, and I suggest that if you can, check out his book. It's called American Visions. Developing a vision of ourselves that incorporates the past and the future, life before and after us, is an essential idea that needs development. Establishing a longer vantage point, as author Richard Fisher says in his book, The Long View, allows history to emerge, quote, as a landscape of untapped wisdom and experience for tackling the urgent problems of today. And tomorrow reveals itself as far more open than it seems. It is a perspective that allows us to see just how far we have come and what we have learned along the way, but also shows us paths to a potentially better world. The blinkered age we live within hides the threats ahead, but obscures possibilities too, end quote. That's enough for today. Let's end with a quote from the work of Walt Whitman, He wrote, I know I am deathless. The pleasures of heaven are with me and the pains of hell are with me. And I think that's an appropriate quote for thinking about history, because in its study, we will see both of those extremes as they have played out in our never ending story. That hope continues on and on with possibilities for a better future by learning both from the great things done in the past and by grappling with the errors and injustices that have been done and moving forward, all ever always forward to a better world. The theme music, as always, is by Derek McClendon. The music at the beginning was by Mondo Salas and his band Rosemond. The song is Forever. And I use that as an intro. I want to thank people that have supported the show in the past on Patreon or by clicking the link in buying a cup of coffee. You can find me on Twitter, Texas History Lessons. You can email the show, texashistorylessons at gmail.com. So that's it. We'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of one another. Be kind. Adios. Adios.